Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compere for this backstage episode from our current main house production. Hello, I'm Nat. I'm playing Gwyneth the Divine. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Calisteria Softbinding, the expert. Hello, I'm Ellen, and I'm playing Jess the Spooky. Hello, I'm Marta, and I'm playing Harper the Searcher. Welcome, everybody. Hello. This episode, we are going to find out how all of these people know each other. And let's start with the stuff that we already know, because Chris, Ellen, you two have played before. You were both in Taurus Trap, so we established mm -hmm. uh, Jess's and Calisterius's history then. Uh, can you give us a quick recap of how these two knew each other? Yes, absolutely. So we were both in a cult, which was the uh, the cult of the Endless Night. I left, I rage quit the cult, and I think uh, Jess left as well. Yes, uh, Jess left mainly because she was told to by Kit, but they have some uh, backstories from their time there. They didn't exactly fit in with the, the crowd that was running it. Yeah, some, um, some clashes with, uh, with the leadership. So that's a pair of relationships we already know, uh, but we are going to establish how... Uh, draw a web between all of these characters now so there is a history section on your playbook some of you might be getting to the point where you've used a lot of these prompts already and because we've played a bit you know these questions kind of assume that you haven't really started yet and you're doing your session zero still so if there are other prompts or other connections that seem to make more sense based on what we already know about these characters feel free to go off script I feel like let's start with uh, tying Harper into some things, shall we? Mm. Yeah, sure. Marta, do you have any thoughts about which of those history prompts you'd like to apply to any of these three? Or would you like to, them to start throwing theirs at you first? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, the, the, the one that like most immediately jumps out to me is um, Callister, because you said you helped finance the mystical section of the library, correct? That's right, yes. And I feel like one of the first things or one of the main things that Harper has been doing after moving into town is going to the library. Uh, there's one which is, um, you figured out a supernatural weird secret they keep. And I feel like maybe, you know, like it takes one to know one. Maybe Harper is, is getting maybe an inkling that Callister is not just an aficionado but maybe he's also actually involved with the weird and he might be an interest a good source of information or, or someone that she kind of, of wants to sort of suss out I don't know something like that yes I mean that, that makes a lot of sense to me because I've got sort of uh one of my sort of history things that I haven't used yet so you said Harper was uh yeah interested in doing some research so one of mine is they are your student apprentice or ward. So perhaps uh, Calisterius has been trying to teach Harper a little bit about, you know, all the, the spooky stuff that goes on around here and give us some background to the experiences she's had that she hasn't uh, understood. Sounds good. Could we, is it possible, like, I don't know how it works in game, but is it possible for characters to kind of mask or misdirect their intentions? Absolutely. Because I think Harper would, might do it as a, ooh, I'm actually a great fan of you. I mean, you're a writer, you're a famous writer. I'm such a big fan. I'd love to hear all about your mystical adventures, pretending she doesn't actually believe that they're real. 
You know what I mean? She's just fangirling. But in actuality, she probably knows a lot more than Callister does because her whole fucking life. She's like, dude, I go through revolving doors and end up in a different universe. Like... Calisteris would absolutely fall for that. He would, if someone came in saying they're a big fan, he would absolutely take that at face value. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. So, uh, yeah, perhaps perhaps Carol's been trying to sort of, uh, you know, teach you some things, but really it's stuff that you already know, and uh, you know, you're sort of more interested in uncovering some either some even deeper secrets, perhaps. Mm. So this is interesting then, because. Obviously, on Earth, Jess has worked with Calisterius before, so knows Calisterius does magic and knows Calisterius knows about occult stuff because they were in a cult together, right? So is that the um, Harper knows about this side of Calisterius but doesn't know that the rest of us know, so thinks it's a secret that just they have? I think it might work best to keep the deception in the backstory so, like, the relationship started off as, like, there was a basis of deception to it and and Harper wasn't letting on how much she knew. But by the time we actually get to, you know, act one of this story we're about to do, you're at least kind of aware that you're all in this supernatural world. I had an idea then, yeah, for between Harper and Jess, that um, if Jess has figured out that Harper is very much brainy and has a sort of investigatory Sherlock Holmesy experience background then I'm trying to I've been trying to recruit her I mean it's not it's not necessarily on my list of history questions but it just seemed obvious to me that that I'm trying to get her on board helping me to research my disappearance of my brother because I am not brainy like I'm not unintelligent but I'm not academic in that way and I'm from meeting her that she's perhaps uh, got the skills and know-how to help me. That sounds fab. And I think it ties in as well because I think we we did mention very briefly in the character creation that Harper had a sibling that might have helped them uh, through the trauma of uh, uh, falling into another universe. But this sibling kind of came up at the very end of the session and had not really been a part of any of the backstory. So we figured that they might be missing as well or something's happened to them. So there might be a connection there between both of us having missing siblings. Oh, if very the interesting. are a little different, but yeah. They were joining forces maybe. Mm. <laughs> I can imagine Jess kind of homing in on Harper as soon as she turned up in town as like, oh, another goth in the village uh-huh. like, i know harper's Ooh. not full goth but you know the doc martins and everything like the style is not dissimilar friend can i uh, what was the name of your your shadow again um sombra is that are we aware of them if there's been weird going on yeah because obviously my shadow will act independently of me as a person and a lot okay. of the time, Harper will turn up and just not have a shadow and because Sombra will be off doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And can we? are we able to communicate directly with them? Or is it a sort of... I'm just trying to like figure out if we can ever speak directly to your, to your shadow. Let's go with no. I like the, the voice okay. in her head idea. Cool. Yeah. So you can see Sombra doing stuff independently of Harper, but they only speak to Harper. But... Does that mean, because Ellen, do we, I can't remember, do we know about Kit or is that something that Jess has kept secret? 
Yes, but we do. The details are like um, the extent of it. I think that she's quite cagey about. You know that she's that she's got Kit and that Kit can help her because otherwise she right. has literally no powers. She's just a girl. Um, <laughs> but I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily completely upfront about everything that's going on between him right. and I. Sure, sure, Melody sure. has expressed suspicions and yeah. maybe is, you know, as a good friend of Jess, kind of in the position of being like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you do you need There's helping of out of this relationship? Yeah, yeah, red flags in this relationship. So might depend how much you, any of you have talked to her, Yeah, how much she's kind of spread that message in the group. But I can definitely mm-hmm. imagine there's the, there's a sense of like, oh, you've got a, a mysterious entity that you can talk to as well. Like there's yeah. another yes. level of similarities there between you. Yeah. Can I ask, does Kit have a physical form of any kind? To me, yes. Okay. But not no one else can see him. No one else can see anything about no. him. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I don't think he's ever... He he is pretty much entirely ethereal. Like I don't think he ever interacts with the physical world. He physical gets just to do that instead. Mm-hmm. Grand. Okay. How about Harper and Gwyn? And Gwyn. Yeah. We don't have any relationships in either direction there yet. I think that uh, when you first turned up, I think Gwyn was one of the first people to notice that your shadow was sus, mm. and. Gwyn has a bit of a history of like lurking around and spying on people that she's suspicious of or trying to protect or is just unable to like there's a social awkwardness there um well as she's trying to figure out how the humans want her to interact with them so I wonder if I, I I was just initially completely um suspicious of you and thought you were like a rogue agent that had been sent in to like like infiltrate the group through uh through Calisterius, through like buttering him up, being like, Oh, you're so great. Mm. Teach me your ways. But then has since realized that actually no, you seem to be on our side. But maybe there was a bit of conflict there. Perhaps that's not the first time that uh Calisterius has been buttered up and it's compromised yeah. the group. <laughs> He's so covered in butter. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because it's like initially thinking that harper is trying to exploit all of you and but then realizing that actually she could do with all of your help yeah you know she just she just needs help but she was going about it in a bit of a manipulative way yeah you know she does (laughs) she doesn't she she does she's not very emotionally intelligent and she just doesn't know how to ask for help (laughs) she's just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get what i want and, and get out man that noir world really did a number on you yeah, yeah. I can only rely on myself. And just imagine, every time you go through a revolving door, you don't know what's going to happen. You might <laughs> yeah, the go into the building, or you might not. <laughs> That's like <laughs> not a fun, not a fun life. Do you think Gwyn would have tested Harper somehow during that process of figuring out if she, you know she was sus or not? Because I feel like. You know, the way Harper was going about things is how she always tries to do things, which is to get as much as she can, giving as little as possible and trying to get mm-hmm. as uninvolved as possible. And maybe it was Gwyn through her actions, trying to 
figure out if she was, in fact, a, a secret agent or not. That really roped her in to the weird in this town. And she's a bit resentful okay. about that. Being like, look, all I wanted was a little information and then I would have moved on. But now I'm in it. So, yeah. you, you, we could, you know, there's that kind of um, relationship between them. Maybe there is a like a, a spooky moment in the woods then with like sprites and pixies getting up to, to mischief to sort of test whether you remembered it or not. Mm. Yeah. And and but then obviously you did. So so maybe then Gwyn confronted you about it. May, maybe got a little bit like Holy Avenger looking if you were completely suspicious. <laughs> you got like the the full like the wings and the the flaming quarter staff like as a what like what wow. are you doing here? What have you come to do? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, these woods are defended. <laughs> Just want a library card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then we're like, oh no, <laughs> I have grossly misinterpreted the situation. <laughs> so, do you think is Harper still a bit intimidated by Gwyn? Probably, and also just you know, like a bratty young adult just a bit like resentful like hmm, you ruined my plans kind of situation like it worked out but I'm like damn it can't believe you t- brought me here to the woods to give me the talk yeah she prides <laughs> herself in being very like uh inconspic- inconspicuous like the whole thing with the shadows etc is that what feeds into Harper is that she's yeah she's kind of always the invisible one that all she wants to be basically with her and the fact hair. that Gwen through saw through through no saw through that so quickly it was like, well shit. <laughs> okay, okay, mom, you're not my mother. <laughs> yeah. So I think that gives us uh, all of Harper's relationships both directions, but uh, Gwen has some still to forge uh, since Nat, you've not played with Ellen or Chris before. Yeah. So we need some relationships between Gwyn and Jess and between Gwyn and Cal. I, 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 I have pre-thought about what these might be. I wonder if, based off the, the last session where Gwyn has been promising the Morrigan to try and increase the Morrigan's um, presence in the world to bring uh, their power back, I wonder if Gwyn has been trying with Jess to be like, hey, so... Uh, Morgan's pretty good, right? You're doing all your, your tarot and your dabbling and maybe, maybe she can help. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been knocking on my door in the morning with leaflets. <laughs> <laughs> can I have an hour of your time to talk about the Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel about that? I, was, I love it. Um, I was also wondering, because... So the duck and parsnip pub where I live, yeah. in and the your duck pond where you were a duck, that I is duck. that geographically you are the duck. Is <laughs> it's it's sort of they are next They're to right each, next each other, other and yeah, the name yeah. is. So I wonder if, like we have, because I will have been in your vicinity when you were still a duck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm forming a backstory with you as a duck. Um, that that's also yeah relevant. yeah. I just like the idea that Jess, like right from a, a little kid, was was sort of feeding you some nice seeds, thinking that you were just yeah. a, a lovely duck in the pond. And um, 
it's my that's my favorite it's one missed that you. is it's a black duck with sparkly green eyes i like that one yeah it's special and then you you de-duckified and i think before i then met you in your human-esque form it was like oh my favorite duck's gone is gwen the duck the inspiration for the pub yes yeah the pub's always had duck in its name yeah it was the black duck before and now it's the duck and parsnip now that it's a gastropub and i think there's there's an element of of gwen that was like oh my god you eat a parsnip one time and honestly they obsess about it (laughs) (laughs) i love it but yeah i I love that Uh, like but do you think jess would have noticed that she grew up and this same duck was still there like it's been years right yeah i think there was probably a moment like something that she didn't question at all until she was probably in like her her teens when she was like wait wait that's the same duck like i know i love this <laughs> like duck Google, I talk about how this, long but, do ducks but, live does anyone know, know? I, do, yeah. I oh no how have i not thought of this <laughs> definitely not thousands of years not thousands of years <laughs> i'm not gonna ask I mean, that we know. You get folklore building up around it. So, you know, there was there was presumably some sort of uh, Sheridan legend of like, oh, if the black duck ever leaves the duck pond, mm-hmm. ruin will <laughs> come to town. And then it did. <laughs> <laughs> and look at the mess we're in now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, five to ten years, your average mallard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. What do we think that actually means for the relationship now? If like Jess kind of doted on this duck and it was her favorite duck and she fed it all all the time, and now that duck is a is a a woman <laughs> <laughs> and a very powerful woman. I probably like used to go and sit by the duck pond when I was feeling like you know angsty, really angsty, uh-huh, and uh-huh. like feeling the duck and being and telling her telling the duck all, all of her teenage problems and now you're a person and I'm like hi oh no oh no oh no <laughs> this is awkward it's so embarrassing I know about like all your secret partners your first kiss your fallouts to yeah. your friends all of all that of stuff that. I'm gonna have to start making notes <laughs> the power. <laughs> I wonder if there's an element, uh, an element of Gwyn though that sort of is endeared by that and kind of misses the, the the being fed seeds. <laughs> so I, I, look, I, I I don't really eat now, but if you wanna wanna leave some seeds out for me, that'd be nice. Got any crusts? <laughs> cute. That's really cute. Brilliant. Okay, and that, so uh, Gwyn and Cal, we need a relationship each way, and then we're done. Yes. So I uh, I had an idea that mm-hmm. basically at some point while sort of uh, Gwyn was working, um, you know, associated with the National Trust, uh, Cal was, you know, trying to book a, a National Trust you know, venue maybe or trying to organise something in the woods um, mm-hmm. to do uh, a book launch. And that's sort of, you know, that's that's how they met. And uh uh, maybe Cal didn't realise that uh, Gwyn was anything sort of uh, spooky at first, but uh, mm-hmm. when he did realise, um, he sort of pretended that he'd known the whole time because, you know, he's the expert. So it's, oh, yes, yeah, I, I totally saw this coming. <laughs> I, I I love that. I, I wonder, like, timeline-wise, at what point did you, like, 
Were you in cahoots with people like Ginny, uh, with people like Renko and Mick and Percy uh, and Graham at that time? Or were you a bit more detached from the group at that time? Like either there's the element of they would have said, oh, yeah, there was something um, we, yeah, we released this magical being from the duck pond, but hadn't quite clicked with you that, and she's part of the group now and she's living with Briar in Briar's tree. And, and they didn't fully explain and she's working for the National Trust. So you didn't get that side of it. You just knew that there was the existence of this sort of the ancient divine being. But then we had that sort of weird like, oh, it's, oh, you're the, oh, right. Or was it that you were still a bit more removed from the group at that point? And this is the sort of inciting like, oh, he could be quite useful, actually. We should get him on board. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, I'm inclined towards the former, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, Cal just didn't, hadn't quite made the connection, sort of, it it was you, but perhaps, you know, you knew who Cal was. And yeah, Cal had to sort of totally style it out when you sort of uh, started talking, you know, matter-of-factly as though I knew what the situation was and who you were. Like, oh, 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 yes, that's that's why I came to you to book this venue for my book launch. Yeah. C- yeah can yeah. I add a detail or, or ask a provocative question about about this scenario? Mm-hmm. Um, the the book being launched, like, was it based on events Gwyn would have knowledge of, and like, how heavily editorialized was it? <laughs> oh, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was something like a, a horror story about you know, something that took place in the woods, something sort of related to the the Fae. This book mm-hmm. was called A Midsummer Night's Scream, and it was uh, <laughs> set in the woods sort of around uh, around the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, Really getting a feel for what kind of author Cal is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best-selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe there's definitely an element of, of Grimm being like, uh, oh, actually, well, no, the sprites you've described, those ones, technically, they're actually, um, they're very chill. All you need to do is make sure that they've got access to their mushrooms and they don't go haywire. They're, they're actually really lovely. And they, they don't appreciate this bad publicity, actually. So maybe there's an element of uh, of that going on. Yes. But, but also, <laughs> I, I feel like as the representative of the National Trust responsible for this book launch going well, Gwen would have been so out of her depth as well and i feel like absolutely ripe for um briar's uh, scheming influences of uh, of leading her astray so there would have been like all sorts of elements of like i don't know they, they need cutlery this is what cutlery is and you're presented with like only paper cups <laughs> cutlery or, or things like that garden forks yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly trowels um <laughs> so there would have it would have gone wrong in weird ways and maybe you had to pass it off as oh the sprites it's all part of the part of the marketing yeah <laughs> buy the book to find out more it's an immersive experience you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds good to me i think that's uh that's a perfect uh connection nice um and then in terms of the other way i <laughs> this one's a little less cutesy and wholesome I wonder if, given the the oubliette that Calisterius has in the library, and knowing that he's a little bit more on it with the the research of uh, of stuff, I wonder if at some point Gwyn has come to him and been like and told him exactly what the deal is with the Morrigan, the fact that we're trying to rebuild the Morrigan's power, and mm-hmm. really hoping that it goes well. 
and we stick with the the side of the morrigan that's about community and protection and war when it's to protect rather than vengeance but if it all goes wrong and gwyn ends up ends up being like turn to the dark side i guess is the sort of the equivalent of it maybe there's a place set up in the oubliette and calisterius knows how to trap her there Mm. yep that would Mm. uh absolutely uh flatter cal's sense of being the expert in his ego so yeah i think he would (laughs) readily agree to that Maybe a little too eagerly, like the the request calls for a sort of a solemn acceptance. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, I'd already thought about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of many contingency plans. It's absolutely like a, um emergency ripcord situation. It's, I wonder if there's maybe safety precautions in place. So it's, it's not like she's just given him permission to lock her up willy nilly, but it's definitely <laughs> a, in this scenario, if a you can't section. get this response out of me, then this is how this can work, kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. Just the fact that you said, Chris, like, oh yes, thought of this contingency. Like, I'm imagining now whether Cal has like, is it Batman who has files on all of the other superheroes <laughs> yep. on like how he would kill them mm-hmm. if they went evil? Not the Affleck <laughs> Batman, but yeah. I think probably sort of trap and contain rather than sort of outright murder (laughs) all the other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ghostbusters situation. Yeah, sort of, you know, neutralize, depower. Uh, You know, it's not necessarily that all his plans are correct or would work, but he he thinks he has. He's uh, thought about it. Backup plans for everyone just in case anyone goes rogue. That, I mean, that's that's author brain, right? You have to think yourself out of the the corners that you write yourself into. You can't turn it off. Absolutely. The Morrigan situation, right? Mm. Is it like a wi- widely known and understood thing amongst the gr- us, the group? Uh, is it like if you start really digging into this sort of thing, does it come up easily or is it very obscure? Mm. Amongst the group now, um, yeah, you would know that Gwyneth was the shield ma- is is now, uh, again, a shield maiden of the Morrigan. That's where her divine abilities come from, that old, old foresty magic. And there's definitely been, since um, Bad Dog, there's definitely been um, sort of motions and, and discussions of like, well, I've had a chat with her. And uh, we're we're trying to to maybe see if this could work again. I I think Gwyn would have told people, but maybe not the full extent of the details. So you get the idea of like the Morrigan would like to increase their power again, but are trying to do it in a positive way for humanity. And mm, for that, okay. Gwyn has started sort of sharing more info on the the positive sides and the the good cool. things that the Morrigan did. Okay. Because I know that for Harper, that would be like sirens everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Morrigan is still sus as heck. Yeah, no. And everything that's like bringing more weird into the world. No, 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 no. We don't need that shit now. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. Good to know. All right. Gives us a lot of excellent context to work with as we go into our new production. I believe that is everybody. Everybody's got a... Uh, relationship both ways with each of the other characters here, correct? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well. Everybody excited to get going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait. 
This has been Vigil, a main house production from Nearly Role Players. It stars Natalie Winter as Gwyneth, Marta da Silva as Harper, Ellen Gould as Jess Butterworth, and Chris Buxey as Calisterius Softbinding. I'm Matt Boothman and I play the supporting cast. Editing and sound design are by me, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. <laughs>